Welcome back, Pete, to Perfect.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Now with your amazing hosts, Alex Patterson and Brittany Postma. This episode is sponsored by Builder.io, visually build on your tech stack. Hey, today we have Ryan Carnick. I always mess up your last name. I'm going to let you say Carniato? Yeah, Carniato. Okay. I was like, oh no, it's always on camera when I mess it up. Cool. Uh, so Ryan's on the show today to talk all about JavaScript performance, but uh, a lot probably on Solid.js as well. Welcome, Ryan. Hi. Thank you uh, for having me. I'm glad to be here. Uh, do you want to kind of tell the, a little bit more background about yourself, kind of where you work and, and why you created like Solid.js? Sure. Um, Solid.js was actually a project that I'd started um, at my previous uh, employment. I was working in a startup. And uh, we were a knockout shop, basically. We, okay. the, whole, the whole stack was built knockout. And actually, I didn't realize this at my time of employment, that, but the uh, COO, the, kind of my boss, the guy in charge, he, uh, he um, was the writer of a framework called Knockback, which kind of combined Knockback and Knockout together to, <laughs> to be like a full front-end framework. And uh, through that, um, I got into open source and whatnot, just because simply like our whole stack was kind of custom. This is 2012 kind of time period and uh, before GraphQL, before React, you know, and I suddenly found myself, you know, basically, you know, working on these open source libraries. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I kind of didn't, wasn't stoked. I wanted better docs. I wanted like, I, I was like, why, why, when there's a problem, I don't like that I have to go like look in the code and inspect it and stuff. But I mean, I, I really didn't have much of a choice. See, I, before that, I'd worked at a Microsoft shop and I was used to using like, uh, I, I was doing JavaScript from Knockout, but I was also doing like .NET and everything was like by the book. You had like these great resources. So I, it was uncomfortable for me at first. But the funniest thing is, well, it's not funny, uh, actually. Um, sorry. He, he, uh, he kind of ended up, you know, kind of burning out, overworking. And I was suddenly left... Uh, kind of almost in charge uh, on the technical side of the startup. So I was left with this open source stack that I was <laughs> main, maintaining more or less. And um, over time we had to update it and improve it and, you know, like change libraries and kind of keep them up to date. And Solid was just born out of that. I, we, we really liked Knockout. We liked the, like, if used well, we liked how it worked. And um, when React came around, we were just like, oh, we we got web components, we have reactive state, we don't we don't need React. And um, it, I mean, to be fair, over time, maintaining your own thing is a lot of work. Yeah. But but I, I I and but I, I was like, okay, we can we can do this better. We can have a better knockout. Or and and that's essentially how I start, got started in SolidJS. So it's just like my own time project that maybe one day my startup would use. And uh, as I often tell in the story. Uh, fast forward a few years to 2018, and I'm, you know, at you know, head of technology or whatever at the startup doing my thing, and we've got to make the choice, and we've been maintaining our own stack for like six years or something, and and when the choice came, uh, I I kind of guided people, pushed them towards using Preact um, in in the end. So, um, and ironically, it was right on the hook boundary, like suspense time period. So we actually ended up using React ultimately after that whole thing because we we just we need to deliver our product and that's how it worked and but it, yeah in in any case because of this i did um come up with solid js and um it was, it was almost kind of like a way of proving that my favorite paradigm still worked in a post-react world nice 
Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of curious as we start to get into the, like the solid JS, um, there's a lot of, lot of kind of switch in our environment, especially on the front end these days with going from more of a kind of load up your framework. It can do anything and everything to let's not put as much JavaScript out there or let's like kind of keep the JavaScript out of the browser until we need it type of thing. And one of the, the craziest parts about SolidJS that I've seen is the performance side of that. I'm going to bring up uh, the, the main page real quick. Maybe real quick. <laughs> Here we go. So on the SolidJS page, you actually have two different metrics on here. So yeah. there's, there's this kind of time metric. So that has... Um, over the course of time, like load time, I assume, right? Uh, this one's actually an averaged uh, time from the JS framework benchmark. This is one of my favorite benchmarks. It, it actually uh, measures uh, mostly actually render time, update time. It's actually one of the few benchmarks that's not actually based on load time. It's actually based purely on like runtime performance, like while the thing's already loaded in the browser. Oh, okay, cool. And then the, the other side of that, the search results side, that so this is is this amount of nodes that it has or operations altogether? Yeah, this is operations per second. This is okay. an example where we just throw uh, I, I, which one is that? Is that the color picker? No, it's the search results. So basically, the guys from eBay had made this benchmark benchmark uh, a, a couple uh, years ago, and it, it essentially was like a copy of a search results page from eBay. Essentially, where okay. you had like a, a listing of uh, search results you had to show. It had a header and a absolutely massive footer full of links and you know all the like typical legal stuff like like the big blob so it's just like a very large traditional kind of static e-commerce site i mean there's some interactivity with the list and stuff but it's a largely static site and uh um yeah this is just like how many operations per second can you just jam the like the string rendering on the i call it string rendering not everyone uses string rendering but rendering this is ssr speed okay Um, operations per second yeah so if if we were to take and like drop just JavaScript on there, would we see a big difference between that? Uh, or- it's it's hard to say. It's I've been trying. Uh, the solid implementation is about as close as I could get. I imagine if it was just the string rendering, we could probably shave off. Like it, this one's. You notice how it's almost exponential. Generally speaking, you're as slow as your slowest bottleneck, and sure. it's really hyper. Um, exaggerated on the server rendering. So I wouldn't be surprised in this example if vanilla JavaScript was maybe not double solid, but maybe like, you know, like significantly faster still, maybe like 30 or 40% faster. But so that kind of helps with the scale a bit in terms of where like, you know, some of the VDOM libraries like React or Preact are versus where, you know, you start getting into like Svelte and Marco and Solid, which are use their compiler to turn stuff into optimal string operations. Yeah. So if if like I'm I'm glad we're looking at the Svelte side of this. Um, if if you were to look at Svelte, like that's more of a, a pre-compiled thing, right? So as that kind of hits the the browser side, whereas SolidJS actually runs on the the browser and the server side as well. Um, when we talk about like Svelte performance, is it actually like the Svelte like before it arrives at the browser? I, th- I think there's a lot of confusion around yeah. Svelte in general. <laughs> I mean, because like all in certain aspects, Svelte, like the whole experience is compiled. And the same is true, is true of Marco as well, where like 
your your actual like uh, your like your 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 whole component, your view code, your like the the lets and the counts and everything. Th these are all compiled. We're in solid. We only transform the JSX, but there's still a runtime behind it. There's there's still this kind of execution model. And what you, what you're seeing here in the server rendering example is that Svelte takes its templates and changes them into like just strings essentially and adds them together. And on the server, we don't need reactivity. So Svelte actually just leaves its lets and cons and everything alone mostly on the server and it just passes straight through. In Solid, we actually have to do something a little smart where I actually have a different version of the runtime that, that turns all your functions into basically empty functions. Like there's no reactivity and that's sort of uh, how we do it, and we use uh, we use some tricks to basically import the right version of Solid for the right environment. But essentially, there is a server runtime, and there is a browser runtime, and there's a server compilation target and a browser compilation target, and that's true of Svelte, Marco, and Solid. All all three of those on the on the end um, there. Gotcha. So, Very cool. Um, so yeah, we brought up Marco too, and I should probably state like. Are you still with eBay? Like, let's let's talk about that for a minute. You've worked on Marco for quite some time, right? No, actually, that's the funny thing. They found me because of Solid. Um, I was I was working on Solid, and I was kind of happy doing my thing. You know, get, made my startup. We'll use it one day, and then I was like, oh, I want to benchmark it, so I open sourced it. And this is around right at the beginning of 2018, I think. I open sourced. It. I'd already been working on it, you know, for a couple of years, kind of on and off, trying different stuff, and then. Um, I, again, I was happy with benchmarks. We were doing really good already. Like Solid's been kind of at the front of those benchmarks since like the beginning of 2018. I guess it's almost been, it's basically been four years. And um, essentially uh, React Hooks came out and I was like, oh my God, people might actually use my library because <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't think people would go for those kind of primitive hook-like things before React Hooks came out. I was happy using them, but I didn't think others would be happy. And the funny thing is I just start, once I saw that, I just started writing article after article about, you know, my experiences and how I went about building this and planning it. And I just, I just wanted to kind of get it all out there in terms of my, my thought process and justification, because I figured I'd need to justify a framework at some point. Sure. And uh, during that process of writing those articles, I started kind of touching wider because I do a lot of benchmarking, which got me familiar with a lot of frameworks. And the, the guys on the Marco team were like, I think this solves a problem that we've been having, that we've been trying to work on. They, they'd already kind of theorized a bit, but they were like, we don't, and you brought this up earlier, we don't want to send all the JavaScript to the browser. And our current system uses components, which are hierarchical, which means once you hit that component, well, then we're, that is stateful or, you know, has state in it. We have to send the whole rest of the tree down from that point down. And they're like, we don't want to do that. How do we solve that problem? Well, we get rid of the components, which is kind of like the secret that Solid has. So they, I joined up uh, pretty pretty quick once those guys reached out to me because I didn't realize much about Marco. I wasn't really into server side rendering that much. I was into I was into like client side performance, and I made many demos and benchmarks. You see where where Solid was outperforming even server side rendered apps in certain uh, in a lot of benchmarks, even like first paint and stuff, just simply with some dynamics in terms of the way that uh, people tend to block on the server before sending responses back but the marco team had crazy innovated in their area which is 
um, streaming and this ability not to send all the JavaScript. And it was kind of, I, I just couldn't believe it existed. And, and then they're like, yeah, no, we've, we've been doing this for like years, like 2013, 2014. And, and I, I was just like, how does this exist and not know about it? So yeah. I got right in, I got right in there and I was just like, I was learning everything and it helped influence our solution for solid server rendering, which was something I was just getting into. And, um, the team um, there, we're working on the next version, which uh, is Marco 6. And uh, it's it's basically taking these lessons. It's taking a little while to come out, but it's taking these fine-grained uh, approaches to performance and hydration and applying it to a really smart compiler. So kind of like Svelte, if Svelte could do hooks, essentially. <laughs> okay. And let me add, so let me bring up... Let me bring this up real quick. So this is this is kind of Marco, if you've never heard of it, which it's still amazing. Marco's been around a long time. eBay's used it for a long time, right? Um, and yet, like anyone I talk to, they're like, what's Marco? <laughs> so it's it's kind of one of these funny uh, frameworks that's around. And it's it's cool that you're working on Salad.js and along with the Marco team and kind of putting these different pieces together. Um, uh, what I'm kind of curious about, though, when we talk about shifting to like this sending javascript to the browser like is that where the performance should be in the future as well like should we try to get frameworks out of the mix on the web or is are we asking too much like they've provided us so many tools over the years and now we're kind of all talking about let's let's pull away from this like how can we get less in there do you find that like that is easier or is that more difficult yeah, I mean, this is another hard question. <laughs> yeah, this is another area where it's 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 challenging to know what like what where the nuance is, like where where the patterns kind of fall in. Because like if you go back far enough, you know, I mean, not even that back that far, we were primarily building multi-page apps that you know rendered on the server, right. and then you would just go like, oh, give me a little JavaScript here. I, I need this button to click, and. Um, and, and then and, we went the other way, right? The pendulum went, let's put right. it all in the browser. It can handle it to the right. like, angular world, right? Exactly. And the, the funny thing is, at different points in the past, there, there has been attempts to try and make a hybrid. And one thing that's been almost definitive in all the times that make hybrids has been it's been very clunky. And that's usually what precipitates the change to the opposite pendulum because uh, like and the reason i'm bringing this up is because like let's say .NET or java um but i'm, I'm going to use .NET because i was familiar with this they tried to make it so that you could have more interactive javascript in the browser on their back end but they hid it behind you'd write c-sharp code that would generate javascript um so you'd have this full isomorphic experience where you wrote all your components in your c-sharp and you had stuff that would do JavaScript requests in the background and update quickly instead of like doing the full page reloads and all that stuff. But it was the biggest convoluted mess of data sending and, and like serializing the state back and forth. It was, it was really, it got really nasty. And I like that at that peak, it was like, it was almost like a no, no brainer. We knew we needed the interactivity. So we, we went really hard that way and then just bloated right out. And then it was like, people like, why can't I just use JavaScript? And then, the rise of the single page app and you know the pendulum goes the other way now the apps are completely in it the challenge is that even though our again our techniques are getting better like better lazy loading better code splitting and all that kind of approaches but the the interesting part is while we won't 
I don't think we go back to like server rendering everything. It, it is clunky. You rely a lot on the network. Um, at least that's not like what we're proposing. I think a lot of the new technologies coming out, they go completely there. You want client-side interaction. You want JavaScript to be able to do some rendering on the page. This isn't like pure, I don't know, people familiar, Rails, TurboLink, plus Stimulus or whatever, like Hotwire from right. DHA. We're not talking about that extreme. But there is fundamental concerns with with single page app frameworks for a lot of use cases. The problem is it wasn't that single page apps didn't succeed at what they did. We were trying to get a mobile experience. Mobile web was getting our mobile native, sorry, was getting very popular and people like were using it on all their phones. And like, the, I feel like single page apps came out largely of like, okay, we need that nice mobile experience. We need that native esque feel to our experience. We need to have it all there at our fingertips. And you yeah. know, like a native app, you don't mind installing it. Like it, there's some, you know, upfront cost. It wasn't a big deal. And, but the problem is everyone started actually really enjoying building apps in that paradigm. So they continued to, and they were like, okay, well actually maybe I'll just use this for my blog site or maybe I'll use this for my content site. And maybe I'll use this for my e-commerce site, which actually cares about page loading. Oh no. Like, <laughs> and, and that, that, that kind of shift is, is, you know, why we want to get more out of it and why the, I think, you know, government sites and other other places where you don't always have as much JavaScript or you can't depend on devices. And like, there's a ton of use cases where a single page app architecture can do the job, but then you're like, uh, maybe this isn't the right job. And I think the interesting part with this whole thing is if we are going to pull some stuff back to the server, it the one thing that I've seen consistently when I've been looking at these frameworks and talking to people is it's not just fixing single page apps. Like there has been some talk and people are like, you know, let's, let's, you know, do better lazy loading or better code splitting. Even the people who've come up with some of the best ways of doing that, like uh, quick is amazing on the, the, the lazy loading code splitting story um, in terms of like a technology that can really minimize that cost. But even when you talk to them, they're still like, no, no, we route on the server or like, and this is the kind of shift we're seeing where, even though we know intrinsically we don't want to be doing full page unloads, we don't want to lose our state in the browser. We want to be able to make an application, something that uh, persists, that can transition nicely with JavaScript in terms of animations or CSS. You know, we, we want those aspects. But at a certain point on the single page app spectrum side of the things, you just have these pieces that you can't get rid of. Like things around, you need data fetching libraries and caches and, and routers um, that can do complicated uh, uh, orchestration and these things once you have them in the browser well they're in the browser like and they have a real cost so it, regardless of any attempts you can do to try and downscale and code split it you just these things need to be there unless they don't and that's yeah. that's sort of where the mentality shift is it's like well can we pull those key things those things that, that are just like you need it to get started, you know, like 100% need to be there, state management, all that stuff. Can we just pull some of that stuff to the server again, but keep our ability to have smooth transitions in the browser? And that's that's sort of where things are heading. This is not like pure server rendered, you know, Rails app, as I was saying. This is like a new form of hybrid. This is where we load um, the JavaScript we need for interactivity and a little bit for orchestration, but we, we let the server do the heavy lifting. I think that's where, yeah, where things sense. are heading. 
Yeah. So you mentioned Quick and uh, the Builder.io team is uh, putting out Quick. So I'll pause a minute for our advertisement here for Builder.io. Today's podcast is brought to you by Builder.io, visually building the web. Builder.io has one of the most powerful visual editors in the industry. Unlike other tools, Builder actually produces the code for you. You don't have to completely switch out your framework either. Just use one of the handy SDKs that are available. There's no limits to what you can build. Instead of limiting your marketing team, start to optimize and let them do the work. This will allow your web developers to get back to the hard work that it takes for other components, allowing your team to do A-B testing and personalization. Stop worrying about bugs in production. Just use the site as it is, then you can analyze and start converting all of your customers with Builder's built-in heat maps. Stop limiting your growth with developers' long lead times. Start building, optimizing, analyzing, and start growing faster. Don't take my word for it. You can sign up for free today and start building the web visually with Builder.io. Cool. You know, gotta get gotta get paid, right? Like, gotta keep this podcast going. <laughs> um, so yeah, shout out to to folks at Builder, and this is actually uh, an interesting transition for this too, because uh, I want to bring up a tweet that kind of went crazy um, back and forth, and uh, as viral as I've seen in a while. Um, so let's take a peek here. So so this tweet went out by Ryan Florence, who is creating Remix um, along with other people. Uh, and as we go down, we see Mishko, who's who's kind of creating Quick, along with the team at Builder.io and Steve at Builder.io, talking about like hydration. But the big question up here was, what, you know, what's the best partial hydration demo? And Ryan, you got involved kind of right in here and started kind of comparing like Marco to Remix. And um, I think there's, yeah, here's the other one. There's There was like our rewritten version. Here we go. And I was wondering, and hopefully uh, I don't put you too much on the spot here, I think you have these demo sites up, and I wanted to just talk about the performance differences as we go through this. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, that, that, that thread was a, a tricky one because I was yeah. <laughs> trying to not jump into it right away. Um, some of those comments, even the builder ones, came later. Like essentially, yeah. the very beginning was here's a part. Give me a demo of partial hydration. And when you say that, uh, most people like in the know, the few people who know of Marco, were eventually like, oh, Marco, like instantly started like you know showing demos and stuff and some of the stuff I'd created and passing them on to the remix guys. And the problem is they're simple demos. Like the, like it, it, it was a demo of a Hacker News page. Right. Like it's mostly static. And um, you know, Ryan Florence was like, well, I mean, this is a really simplistic demo. This isn't a great demo, you know, show me something bigger. You know, I go to ebay.com and I see piles and piles of JavaScript loaded. And then, and it's like, yes, because unfortunately there's the part that Marco renders, which is like the core page. And then there's like megabytes of ads, like just, <laughs> so like not, that isn't always the best example, but the, the thing was. Use, use party town for that folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Party town looks really um, interesting. The, the, the challenge with that was I, I was still leaving alone because I, I know like it's one of those things where you you don't have to worry about it until you have to worry about it. Like if you got a small framework, you you you, you know, especially svelts and the solids of the world, like you, you're going to have small JavaScript payload. It's going to hydrate pretty well, you know, and, and the demos might, you know, most demos and benchmarks are a little bit convoluted to make a point. Yeah. And 
essentially, but then Ryan posted that image with the three examples side by side. And he, he took his Hacker News demo that he posted in his Remix article. And then obviously the, the, uh, the, uh, the Marco one. And, and it, it showed Mark one loading dip, dip slower and whatnot. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I, need, I, need to, I need to explain this on two parts. First of all, they're using a different API. So it's like not even hitting the same endpoints. So like it's not even the same, the data loading characteristics for this have the biggest impact. And the second thing though, it was hard to tell with that demo was it, it was, is, yeah, it, it was just, um, yeah, it, it's just showing page load time. It's not talking about hydration. Hydration isn't how fast your page loads. It's how long it takes for the JavaScript to be interactive. So he showed that um, the, the Remix API uh, that they're hitting endpoint is a different API, is a faster API. That's all it showed. It had no, nothing to do with hydration because hydration is a, isn't about how fast your page shows up. So I was like, oh man, this this is bad <laughs> because it's it's like misleading, right? Like because this this has no relevance to the conversation um, in my mind. So uh, this is what led me to going, okay, fine. And just I, I, just for clarity, before we get too far, like Remix is kind of a newer React-based library, for lack of a better term, almost similar to Next.js, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and Remix, honestly, uh, is 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 we love Remix on the Marco team. Just a side note, and and also Solid, um, <laughs> because you know it's it's supporting kind of progressive enhancement, uh, like a lot of the baseline stuff on on the web. And the crazy thing is, you've been able to do that in React and any framework for years and years and years, but no one until Remix has actually gone and, well, not no one, there's been a few stray libraries, but no one has like as much weight to actually make this the pattern for their framework. So this is like a really good thing for web development and, and you know, for people who, do, who have different devices and whatnot. So Remix is incredibly powerful, um, but the, the challenge obviously is Remix is a React framework. There's certain features that React doesn't have and React's even working on them to a certain degree. If you consider server components, the streaming coming React 18, but Remix is kind of uh, they have the ability to support future React, but they 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 also kind of took a kind of stance maybe about a year ago or so. So and they're like, you know, we we love React we have right now. We'll just build a framework on Reactive TA, and maybe we don't need what React's shipping. Maybe we don't need suspense. Like they don't use that. Like maybe we don't need streaming. Maybe we don't need server components. We can do exactly what we want with React today, and that's partially where this conversation comes from because they're like convince me that i i need this other stuff that's coming so does it does it kind of like when we do all of these comparisons like this is it as straightforward like even let me bring this back up like even when we finally got down to this and, and like we were looking at marco and salad and remix it's like is this really like? Do I care about this point one at the end of the day, right? No, and 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 this, yeah. I mean, this was like, yeah. This point one was was not nothing really, and yeah. and and the point is, the problem is to emphasize the the actual performance difference of some of these technologies in streaming partial hydration. You just need a more substantial benchmark. It's not. It's not that it doesn't exist, which some people in the thread were suggesting. You, just, you need something that's like exaggerated. Like when you, when, in the JS framework benchmark, the one where at the beginning where I showed solid was like 5% slower than middle we create 10,000 rows. <laughs> like, like, I don't, like, I, you, you shouldn't be creating 10,000 rows <laughs> right. in a list. You should be using windowed, virtualizing, like, but 
maybe you can approximate that to a large page, but even even that's beyond that, because even large pages, you, you should probably shouldn't be getting up above 20,000 elements. And, and like 10,000 rows in that benchmark is probably like 50,000 elements. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's not realistic. But because of the ask, uh, if you go back further up that thread, I was like, okay, fine. Uh, there's a comments page on here where someone went to React or some React post and it had like 14, 1,400. Uh, see, you have all the demo links here if you wanted to go to the, the ones that Ryan Florence used. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. But, 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 he, the thing is, these demos that you see here are all going to be basically the same. Like the point one he measured that right. one time is it, whatever, right? But but like, if you, it, the, the the thing is, I went to that page that has fourteen hundred comments on React, and and the thing is, this page is stupid because why are you loading fourteen hundred comments with React, right? Like like right. <laughs> or any front end framework. But the thing was. With 1,400 comments loaded on the page, you can see the difference between streaming and partial hydration and not having them. And that was the uh, if you if you if you do go further back up, we can show. Yeah, this. I was trying to find that one here. I'll I'll leave it on screen so we can actually find it. Yeah, together. it was the one that you were showing earlier. Yeah, th these two. Yeah, okay. these two. The first one's on mobile, and if you see the the it's color when it's visual and it goes gray when it's done hydrating. Yeah. So. On so a, the, the TTI on this is what like everyone measures. That's the point it turns gray, right? Yeah. And, and if it, you it's like look, double. <laughs> yeah. And if you look at it, even in terms of loading profile, not only the hydration is shorter in Marco, like it's done before you even see anything in remix. And these are the same demos. This is not like caching or any secret. This is literally the same page just as is. And like on mobile, because the network is their constraint. You're not going to see streaming. It's just going to kind of all come in when it comes in. But if you look at the desktop example, the, the second one here, what you see is Marco shows the header right away, then shows the content, and then grades really quickly. And the, the, the reason I wanted to show that is because if I have crap loading indicator in my demo, sorry, like it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just the header. But while we were showing that header, we could have had like a nice like Twitter sure. bird like sure. you know like or the, the fancy grays right <laughs> so on the desktop i think that's even more jarring difference because you it, you can actually the, that it's very quick to see how marco in that example just shows up immediately and could have nice loading state and then it loads in and it hydrates almost immediately after because on desktop you have more cpu hydration right. doesn't take as long you know so essentially that's on a cable modem too like a, a, it's a decent internet connection and that that change is still so huge. Again, stupid example. You shouldn't be loading 1,400 comments at once. But this is what happens when you have a large site. When you're building an e-commerce site like eBay or, or uh, you know, Amazon, you have lots of comments or item listing details and like stuff coming in from like 10 different services and stuff, and they all have different latencies. And essentially, just saying, like, there is definitely a use case where you want to be able to show some stuff sooner. It's not just loading the headers, you know, which is the thing people talk about, which lets us, you know, start loading the assets sooner. Um, but it's also um, like loading stuff as it comes in. Maybe you can start loading images earlier. You can start lo loading like actual pieces of the rendering. And this sort of progressive approach, kind of the beautiful part is that at worst, it's basically the same as what block to render like Remix does. But at best, you can get 
experiences almost the same as like Jamstack feeling where you get this instant response from the server and the data loads in, except you get to start fetching the data sooner, like on the server. It's basically as close as you can get to best of all worlds. Of course, there is a catch because <laughs> when you stream, you have to return the status code right at the beginning. So there, there's, there's challenges there and new paradigms to come. But from a pure performance perspective, it's awesome to have a solution that literally just scales across the whole spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so let's dive in a little bit to um, Salad.js itself. I, I think I was I was waiting until we could make a little segue here, but uh, asking for the, the Hacker News discussion. So uh, Hacker News kind of came up last night uh, or yesterday. I think I think this came out um, and it, it's talking about Salad.js feels like what I always wanted React to be. Right. And so it's. It's a fun little comment thread to like read through for sure. And I, I'm sure uh, you're dealing with a lot of it still today. So luckily we had this podcast or unluckily for you. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe no, it, it's, it's, it's actually really good. I was, I actually post tweeted about this after I saw it posted. I, I, I was, I was comfortable going to bed last night. Sometimes when this happens, I get like the, you know, the hacker news things always seem to break at like 10 PM at night. And then I'm like, Oh crap, I'm going to be <laughs> up all night. I'm going to be like trying to respond to people and, you know, not, make misconceptions but you know there's a lot of neutral stuff there's a few negative ones but a lot of positive stuff too you like this is a big shift people you know there's always gonna be like 30 percent of the comments that have nothing to do with the article where someone's arguing about hooks or arguing about how they like java you know like or <laughs> <Yeah>. vanilla js <laughs> you know you can make it like a bingo scorecard to, to to kind of check off in terms of the type of comments you get but um on the on the whole, you know, people kind of pointing out ecosystem, you know, it's not as big, and the, people are talking about real issues and, and talking about real things as a result of this article, which made me excited because in the past in Hacker News, it's been more of like, you know, <laughs> I've been called a lot of funny things, like you know, <laughs> like basically like in it to get the fame or what, like the somebody wants to be hired by Fang or like just like <laughs> like like essentially. Stuff like that. I'm like, no, I'm just making a framework. I've been doing this for like five years. Like, but this yeah, one. That can this... be frustrating. I, I, so I think the, at the core of the article, though, like there's some really good call outs as far as um, salad goes. So I think probably the most prevalent example that I've ever seen done, which happens all the time, I would say now that we're kind of using hooks so much more, um, this set count where count plus one, where count is already kind of the state out here, right? Um, this highlights, if I go down, so this counter starts bouncing all over the place. Uh, yeah, maybe, and, maybe, yeah, maybe not on this one, but the initial one, if you, for, if you forget to put, if you forget to put the uh, array oh, in, goes. <laughs> it, it goes crazy. Yeah. yeah. And so essentially we're trying to like re-add a counter to the original state plus add one and that state carries through and it gets really like, hard as a, a programmer especially like if you're a newer dev when this is happening you're like what is going on and a uh, good call out here this is this is kind of the form that i always recommend using um if you have to do cleanup another way that's fine too but um anytime you're using state like that like use a functional piece so you're passing that value through the function and then uh actually updating it so yeah the challenge runs deeper than this though actually yeah. th it's funny that because if you're using props it's not just the, the local state you have any kind of new variable in the closure has 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 potential to have this uh this problem although most people are better about about you know that kind of scenario but because it, it, in terms of props can 
used to like it re-rendering everything conceptually maybe but props and it's not just like the functional thing gets you out of most things but then once you try and abstract it into another hook you now like like a use interval you now have to consider stuff like that and that's why danny vermoff wrote a really really good article where he he it's i think it's like a 15 minute read where he literally goes through how to make use interval and react and to be fair I, I've used this example. My first uh, my first public talk that I did on SolidJS was actually basically this article. Um, so uh, it was at React Finland last September. And uh, so I'm very familiar with this example because it, it is a good way of illustrating the conceptual differences, even though I might argue that everything React does actually makes sense for React. Um, and we might not should be so critical of it, but I, I definitely, I mean, this is one of the reasons reactivity is great because it kind of it, like stuff like this just comes much more naturally. Yeah, for sure. So here's, here's kind of the, the difference on solid and maybe you can start to break down and I'll bring up uh, the, the solid docs and we can talk about it too, but the kind of core difference here is this count being a function on the uh, salad side. Can you talk more about like, what does that actually mean for salad and how salad uses it? Yeah, the key thing to solid um, in terms of execution is we wrap every, not every expression granularly, but generally it's easier in your head to think of it that way. Um, we, we wrap each um, expression that changes independently. So in, or, and in order to track it though, we have to know what it depends on, essentially. This idea of like, uh, like if, if you have a count in your DOM and you want it to update some text, you need to know that this text in this specific location depends on that count. And the way we do that um, is through um, generally function calls, but it could be a proxy, basically some way of intercepting accessing it. So at any point, where we access that value, then we can go, oh, in this execution scope, wherever it's running, it cares about this value. It's, it's very similar to some state libraries in React, um, like uh, Jotai and like, was it Veltio? I can never say it right. Um, yeah. <laughs> MobX even, um, where they look at where stuff's used, but the difference is they just re-render the whole component um, and whatever comes downstream of that. And in solid, we just focus on the very specific uh, locations, the bindings to do that pinpoint update, like it, the text in that div. Um, and so in order to make sure that we access everything in the right place, everything's kind of lazily evaluated is my best way of putting it. And that's why they're functions. Essentially, you, you don't want to access count ahead of time, because then we it's much uh, further away from where we use it. If you can get that as close as possible to where we use it, that means the least amount of work we have to do. And essentially on the SalJS side, um, can you talk about the differences in React for like use effect and how that works on SalJS? Yeah, the thing is, um, this automatic tracking means we don't need dependency arrays. And in fact, it's, it's more powerful than not needing dependency arrays because someone will point out to you, they'll be like, oh, well, you know, there'll be a compiler someday that compiles in the dependency arrays, sure. But the, the, it's, not, it's not about that. It's actually that the dependencies are dynamic. They can actually change on the fly based on what is required and what is, what is used. Um, maybe that's hard without like visualizing it, but essentially at any point, any effector... I call them computation, knows 
what data it depends on and at that point in time so it knows that it needs to change at that point in time. That means if there's conditional logic in your effects and stuff like that, we can actually, based on the current state of the app, know exactly what changes matter. Like if you're showing, say someone's full name, this is a terrible example, it's the one that everyone uses uh, you know, on, on the screen and you change the last name, well, you know you need to update and change the full name because the last name depends on it. But if you had some way of toggling it, like changing so that you only showed the first name and not the full name, at that point, if you're showing the, the first name, if you go and update the last name, nothing needs to run. And, and that's like a huge difference um, uh, in terms of execution too. I mean, it's not the biggest on performance because, you know, shallow diffing and stuff. I mean, I'm getting a little technical on that. But generally speaking, just on the whole concept of what actually reruns, it's just very granular. It's like only what needs to rerun. And and this is this is a big departure, right? And but it's it, like alternatively in React, you're basically re-rendering the entire tree at that point, right? Well, it, or at least a subsection yeah, of the tree from, sure. from, from, yep. from that point downwards. And right. you can use memos and smart ways and you can build a compiler perhaps that memoizes everything. But like in solid, it just, that just kind of happens because the granularity is kind of built in. So like, uh, I, I enjoyed that. I mean, the React Forget came out and there was that whole <laughs> discussion. And then I, I rebuilt the demo um, using uh, some technology. I actually copied Vue. Uh, Vue has a very similar reactive system to Solid, except it feeds into a VDOM like React. And I copied the example, and I was like pretty happy with it. I'm like, yeah. And, and Evan is like, look, no fancy compiler. We can just do this, right? And I'm like, yeah, no fancy compiler. We can do this. And then I looked at the example, and I was like, we still have that uh, computed in Vue or that create memo in Solid. And I was looking at it, and I was like, no, this example doesn't even need a memo. And I just removed the whole memo that started the whole conversation, and it still worked. Um, granularly. So that, that's kind of the one of the differences. It's just like innately designed um, to to kind of solve that problem without any like special power. You can argue that the JSX is a special compiler, but that's not the same as the runtime reactivity. It's just like the the JSX is only special because of the uh, for two reasons. Because obviously we generate real DOM nodes. So um, there's some benefits to being able to like do some DOM specific stuff on the compilation output for the native elements, like the lowercase tags, like the divs. And the second thing is that our component props um, get a little uh, transformed uh, to do uh, lazy evaluations. They become functions essentially. So even though you don't see it because we use getters, essentially we just have to do a little extra wrapping. But beyond that, so solid components, like the actual components themselves are just functions. So it, it does have that sort of in common with with JSX or like VDOM libraries and like the component costs are very, very low because you're just calling these functions. Yeah, I think um, I just want to dive back just, we went kind of in a little bit of a circle here, but I just want to come back to this. And uh, another part of SolidJS, when we start talking about, if you were to see this specific example in React where this has this console log, anytime that counter update occurred, you would see, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm terrible at React, um, you would see this console log multiple times, like usually yeah. three times, right? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, each time. Yeah, it depends on the what the setup. I, I, I think actually for this example, it wouldn't be that bad. I mean, there are situations, there, there's the problem with React in terms of the side is there's a couple things there's like some libraries you, there's a use strict which runs everything like twice anyways and then like yeah. <laughs> so like by the end of it you might have multiple i think for this one um 
This isn't a quiz, by the way. You just trust us. You'll see it more than once. Yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the salad side of things, though, salad understands the fact that count is a function within itself, and that's the only thing that's changing, right? Yeah. So, so every time this set interval actually updates set count, and you'll notice on this example, folks, we, we don't have use effect in here um, like React would. So that's another difference to call out here. But this function right here where the count is count and it's returning that um, value that's currently in the, the count, do I say state <laughs> at that point? Sure. Sure. Um, that's what's kind of being updated. And you won't get this like reactive tree re-render piece that will throw out yeah. this console log multiple times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, solid will run that log only once. Right. React will run it at least once every update cycle. So every time the count takes it, it will keep on console log, you know, there is something missing in this demo that sometimes like I, I love fairness and equal comparison here. And I think that sometimes when we do this and a lot of stuff around Svelte is all equally guilty or maybe more guilty of this where they kind of just go, oh, look, it's let count and, and done is that there is one piece missing. This example does not have cleanup in it. Um, and I think that's uh, unfair characterization because if the counter ever got un like unmounted here, that that interval is going to still keep on going on forever. Ah, okay. Uh, so there should be an what's missing in that code is an on cleanup call. There is we have in React when you create effects, it returns a function that's a cleanup. In Solid, um, because the way uh, the whole thing's architected, we just have an on cleanup call, and it has nothing to do with components, which probably is a bit of a mind thing. But the reason <laughs> is essentially we need to be able to register on cleanup anywhere during the ex synchronous execution because. Technically, in Solid, everything is just nested effects. Like, it's a different mental model. React, you have this kind of pure execution that outputs, you know, data state in whatever and outputs this uh, um, VDOM that gets diffed and patched and updated. And along this, the way, you kind of register these side effects, these hooks, um, as, as components uh, re-render. Um, so, you you know, you have your use effect and whatever. On Solid side, you notice you didn't need the use effect. But... Technically, that's because the whole component rendered is kind of seen as Solid's version of the effect, in which it only reruns when it needs to. And in the case of our component that's mounted top level, it never needs to, right? And I think, but if it was conditional, something above it changed, well, then it's possible that it needs to be unmounted or needs to change. And at that point, those cleanup things that you register need to be run. So Solid has an on cleanup because technically that on cleanup can be run top level in a component, can be run inside an effect, because it's all just the same thing. Uh, I, I think this is, it, it, again, it's one of those visualizing things. I think it's always kind of hard when you show people it, like Solid with React, kind of, when I kind of decompose it into like a bunch of nested create effects, they're just like, what? But it's, <laughs> it, it actually just kind of works. It means that components aren't the thing that you scale with so much as, as like the structural, um, uh, dynamicism, like conditionals and loops. That's where the loading points are. If you think about it for a moment, if you don't have something above conditional, you're never going to unmount something. So it, that's really where all the cleanup happens at, at the points like when you when you conditionally render something or you iterate over loops. That's the only place where, where we actually need a new context. We don't need to bring this new kind of context in at every component. And that's one of the overheads that a lot of reactive libraries have and that, that I intentionally avoided with solid was this idea that we needed to make every component an observer. Um, 
it's a performance thing but yeah yeah that makes sense i I just i want to show just the last piece of this and then we'll jump over to our perfect fix and kind of do some q a uh so this is kind of the the final example that we have out here from nick and it's got this piece which is super intriguing to me um so we've got console log for a dom update a and the only thing in here is is false and then the count one which is this dom update b and this is all one div block, which still blows my mind a little bit. Um, you will get DOM update A one time. And as that counter goes, you will get update B, update B, update B, which that's the magic, if you ask me, in the whole thing. Yeah, it, it's it's surprisingly unique. I mean, reactivity, like everyone makes those examples, like the like, like if you use MobX or Solid, like where you kind of like, just update what changes, you know, like, like the, you know, you console log something, but no, like knockout kind of did this a bit back in the day, but almost no modern library actually applies reactivity to the actual like view updates. They, they kind of put it into a component level system or a VDOM or some other level. And yeah, I mean, how do you like, at least from a performance standpoint, like how do you match that uh, the ability to just like literally go, Oh, that text node now, you know, and, and, and that example is great because that's the only way I can ever show it. It was, that, that was the problem I had with the, the react forget demo that I made too. I was like, how do I show that things aren't changing when they're not changing? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, but the thing is this extends because of the, what I mentioned before with the components, uh, like the props getting kind of wrapped in getters and all the way down, it doesn't matter. You break your component up into 12 components, prop drill through the whole tree, use context. It, it doesn't matter at the end because it's all lazily evaluated at the you're going to end up somewhere down in the tree at div that is reading that context reading that store and it goes okay i'm going to execute and it, sure it might call in a couple extra function wrappers up the tree but essentially it will find that signal no matter where it is because it's runtime and then it'll go okay I, I care when this one changes and then if somewhere else somewhere else in the tree someone goes okay i've updated this one value then it's almost like laser beam straight to that one not just component that one text node in the DOM and go, okay, you update your text. doesn't matter. Nice. 12 components, one text node updated. Uh, so I'm kind of curious. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask a question about quick, how, how similar, like does quick correlate with that update? Is, is that like the HTML would occur and then as it needed an update, it would load the, the JavaScript required, whereas salad would already have it. Yeah, I mean, Quick has kind of been optimized for this lazy loading case. And I think it's interesting because obviously when things get large enough, you do want to lazy load. But in general with Quick, if you, yeah, it's aware of the component level dependencies at least, right? It's not as fine-grained. It has a fine-grained reactive system, but it's not as fine-grained in the rendering, at least currently. Um, there's been discussions about that. Sure. Been but, <laughs> but we're, as, we're in alpha. We'll get there. <laughs> but but what one of the things is like... Uh, Essentially, it will just register and say this component needs a change, kind of similar to Vue, uh, is probably similar. Mob exports React. So, somewhere else, you basically update that and then it'll go, okay, this component cares about it. Load the code we need for, for that component at that time. Now, obviously, there's a delay with lazy loading stuff. So, in, in some cases with Quick, you will want to preload it uh, and bundle appropriately to, to, to do that. But yeah, essentially, once Quick is in the browser, um, today, it's basically a BDOM with a fine-grained reactive system feeding into it. So it's, as I said, very similar to Vue. Um, cool. 
that, that makes sense totally um so folks that are watching on youtube uh feel free to throw your questions in we're gonna do a quick perfect picks uh piece where we just do fun picks for the day and uh we hopefully we can get to q a after for all your questions so i'll go first because i know i put ryan on the spot before we started if he had any fun picks so my first one which uh is probably one he'll be happy with is solid hack I didn't know this was going on. Uh, I should probably uh, follow Solid JS Twitter feed a little more or something. Uh, but there's this cool competition going on with Solid, and you, there's 37 days left. I apparently builders uh, also organize or I, I a partner. I don't know, giving away something uh, as well. So uh, there's a competition. Basically, you're you're building your own cool site using Solid JS, and there's going to be was it 12,000? Yeah, here it is. Yeah. Twelve thousand dollars to to give away for projects. So that's my first perfect pick because that sounds awesome. <laughs> my second one, which we were kind of just talking about a little bit, is um, Ryan and Mishko kind of talking about quick. And you guys broke it down better than even when Mishko was on here for the pod. So it was it was pretty amazing. I think part of that is probably how far Quicks made it in the last six months too. So <laughs> there's there's a lot going on there. But great talk between the two of you. Ryan, did you have any any perfect pick you wanted to show yeah. off or talk about? I mean, I'm just going to throw this out here. This is like completely off topic, but I, I, you were mentioning like TV shows and stuff you watch recently. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm like super stoked that sci science fiction and fantasy and stuff has been coming in. Like this fall was great, um, you know, with stuff like, even if it's like not the best adaptions, things like Wheel of Time, uh, Foundation, even the new Dune movie, I've been like, I don't know, oh, yeah. but, but I'm just a sci-fi guy at heart and I, and I, I liked uh, a lot of... Um, you know, almost like cheesy '90s comedy kind of sci-fi type type stuff, and uh, uh, some of Joss Whedon's earlier work. And um, I've been watching uh, Resident Alien uh, with Alan Tudyk, and mm. and it, honestly, maybe not everyone's cup of tea. It's just a, it's a comedy, but I've I've always been a big fan of the actor. He was he was in Firefly back in the day. Um, it's just it's it's on it's on I believe sci-fi, and it's on its second season. It's, um, but yeah. That, that's him in the blue with the blue background but yeah like it's it's uh it's it's just a dumb comedy but <laughs> I, I don't know i have to ask did you watch fringe when it was out yeah i, I, I watched all of fringe yeah i, I loved fringe and yeah tear dune comment i can't wait for the uh, second dune to come out i feel like it's only a part of what's happening so. for, for me uh, uh seeing foundation was big uh, isaac asimov is my favorite author for, for for all time i've been i've been rereading um his books and actually i'd never read a couple of them as from his empire series and i got them for christmas and i've been rereading them so i guess that's my second pick um it, it, it's old you can tell it was written in the 1950s but he has this a, a way with his writing that's so clever the tv show diverted from it which is fine um because i felt like it's almost impossible to make foundation into any kind of long running media because there's a collection of short stories yeah. and and they've kind of somehow pulled it off in a show that's good in its own right but um generally speaking uh yeah I, asimov is what got me uh into science fiction i guess I, I was already reading some fantasy stuff but just he he just so, so, so much cleverness in the writing and the thinking he just makes things like seem obvious after the fact and makes the reader feel clever for for reading it and figuring it out and stuff so yeah. i, I yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Cool. Uh, so quick Q&A. Hopefully we have time. Ryan, you still have some more time, I hope. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, 
uh, I'm going to butcher this name, but a bitty, a bitty, I think says, uh, please tell us about salad start. Yeah, no, I I've been working on this. Uh, and the funny thing is these things kind of are moving targets. Essentially, this is a meta framework first party, you know, built by people working on solid te core team, people, active community, people in the community to build a meta framework like Svelte kit or like remix or like, um, next. And, uh, it's I started it last February. I but the truth matters, like this was in the plans for a while. I, I, sort of. I was intending to make the pieces and hope someone else made it. And then at a certain point I realized that just wasn't practical. There's just SSR is hard and putting all the right pieces together with the right defaults is, is hard. And the, the reason why these meta frameworks exist, the reason why they're able to raise money and and make businesses out of them. Um, so yeah, Solid Start is is something that we've been working on. It's we've been, you know, looking around. Like we had an idea. We knew it was going to be nested routing, parallel fetching. This was core going to be core of that. I use that on all my old client demos. I brought it into SSR. This is kind of the basis. Um, but because of that, Solid Start is actually really similar to Remix, even though they weren't actually initially inspired by, by each other. But now that I've seen Remix, I'm like, oh god, these guys have great ideas. So there's a lot of Remix in there. There's a bit of Svelte kit. It, I, I've just been taking kind of the, the best pieces that I like of those frameworks and making one that is made for Solid, essentially, is the idea. We just added um, progressive enhanced forms uh, last night, in fact. Uh, that we, I just merged a PR. So now we have like uh, forms very similar to Remix um, in it. We also have... Um, the docs are pretty sparse and they're actually forked off the remix docs. That's how close certain things are right now. But um, essentially, uh, you know, it's just, you just get started and um, you get like a entry point where for the client and the server, um, you get uh, a, basically a file system based router. And then we don't have loaders. We have something called data functions, which are isomorphic, um, which is actually more similar to, I guess, felt kit, but, it's basically using the built-in mechanism for loading that's built into the router. And then we've introduced some really cool things like type safe RPCs uh, uh, as a way of like doing server calls. And we can extend those for different functionality. Essentially, we can use them just as API endpoints. We can use them as um, directly as RPCs. We can use them for forms. We can use them for lo lots of uses. And that's kind of like the basis. But it's all just built off uh, Beat plugins. It's, 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 it's strongly oh, okay. housed in Beat. Nice. Uh, so yeah, Alexandre says the Discord. Just go out to their Discord. Uh, if you can't find it, it's on Solitaire. It's the site. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Another definitely. another question from Patrick. Uh, so it says Ryan showcased a Marco versus Quick uh, Hacker News example, and he showed that Marco only downloads 240k versus Quick 330k. How does Marco shape off cut off the extra KBS? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the demo was. I actually think the change was bigger than that because if I remember correctly, I think it was Marco was 240, Solid was like 400 ish, and Quick was about 500. Um, and the the reason um, is that partial hydration, and this is like, I mean, we could get to Quick versus Marco and like that <laughs> at some point, and maybe that'll be on my stream this Friday. I'm having the guys from Marco on my stream this Friday, nice. um, the, the rest of the team. But essentially, when you know like know for certain what is on the server and what is in the browser hundred percent, which is what the, that's a difference. Quick is based on lazy or progressive hydration. This idea of like only load what needed. And if you never need it, you never need it. You know, it, it makes it kind of simple on that side. Marco's based on knowing 
exactly which components are server and which are client. It's kind of like React server components in that sense. But the difference is Marco's compiler automatically figures this out for you. So like quick, it's automatic. You don't have to worry about it. And the, the reason that Marco is so small in that uh, example is because when you know that you're fetching the data on the server and you know that it never gets re-rendered in the client, well, you don't need to serialize it. So when you have 1400 comments, again, stupid number of comments, <laughs> And the only client-side interactivity is collapsing them, essentially. You need JavaScript to do that. And it's nested, too. So it's not simple JavaScript. You actually need to like have comments and comments that nest. And you need to be able to hydrate it. But if you don't know for certain what's on the server or client, you still have to serialize data. Because there's some potential you might need to lazy load it. And because Marco knows that it never needs to lazy load it, not only does it do the minimal amount of hydration, it actually knows that it doesn't need to serialize or send any of the data in that state. And this is something similar that React Server Components are leveraging too. And this is a huge savings. That's that's a big part of why the thing's so fast to load. Like in, in that demo where I show Remix against uh, against Marco, to be fair, no one, not, not really anyone's on the Marco side. Like if you brought Solid, it'd be about the same as Remix there. If you brought Quick even, it'd be about the same as Remix there. The, the difference on that example is all about data serialization. The hydration cost, difference between Marco and um, Remix is like, on like the desktop, for example, is like 30 milliseconds versus 50 milliseconds. It is close to twice. And in the quick case, the hydration would be zero milliseconds initially. So, but you already spent like a second and a half sending the data <laughs> across on the, the network. And, and Marco's already like shaved half the time. It's shaved like 700 milliseconds. Like, like it, it, it's essentially like, there's just advantages on the double data side when you know on partial hydration and advantages on the hydration side. So it kind of leverages um, both pieces when you have that knowledge um, is probably my best way of, of putting it. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Well, I think uh, we're at a full hour and we've I've quizzed you like completely, Ryan. So I, I think all I can say is thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, one last comment. I, I meant to say this at the start of the pod. Uh, Brittany's not with us. She couldn't make it today. So normally we have an extra host as well. But thank you, Ryan, for, for joining. And maybe we'll have you on once this uh, solid thing takes off, perhaps. Yeah, yeah Solid Start is going to be exciting uh, when, when we get this meta framework going. So yeah, I think people want to check it out again at that point because we'll have a nice SSR story. And awesome. that's next couple, look, look for it in the next month or so to go into beta that's when you probably start looking at it. it'll be stable enough cool well hopefully we can have you on again then Sounds thanks good. Ryan. have a good one thank you